Welcome to Record Roulette. My name is Eamon O'Flynn, and this is a Record Roulette 101. Our next full-length episode features Tyrell Lisson from The Band A History, which is, unsurprisingly, about the history of The Band. You probably aren't going to find anyone anywhere who knows more about this group of musicians that rewrote the rules of rock and roll in the late 60s and early 70s, and I heartily recommend you check out his show. Now, when I asked him to pick an album from the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums list, I very clearly said, you can pick anything. It doesn't even need to be the band. But he still picked their debut album, Music from Big Pink, and, you know, it's true love for him. He wasn't going to stray. And I'm overjoyed, because if you've ever listened to this show before, you'll know that the band is my favorite band. I don't necessarily think that they are the most transformative or innovative or whatever, but their music just catches my ear in a special way. I can't explain it. What I can do is explain who the band is and what music from Big Pink is for anyone in the dark. That's what these 101s are all about. Capturing the basics in 5-10 to 10 minutes so you don't need to do your own Wikipedia deep dive or something. As always, I have two caveats. First, you should listen to the album. Second, this 101 isn't exhaustive. This is just what you need to know. If you want to know more, well, Tyrell has 51 episodes on Apple Podcasts for you to check out. Let's start with The Band, which existed as a band before they were The Band. It all starts with Ronnie Hawkins, who is notably not a member of the band, but is the reason they exist. A rockabilly performer, Arkansas-born Hawkins found some of his greatest success in the Toronto area, where he also cut a couple of albums for, and I'm not kidding here, Roulette Records. He brought drummer Levon Helm with him from the American South, and over the coming years, he slowly recruited the rest of the group. Robbie Robertson on guitar, Rick Danko on bass, Richard Manuel on keys, and Garth Hudson as an organist. They were called Ronnie Hawkins and the Hawks, and were one of the wildest acts in the Toronto rock and roll scene. By 1963, the younger members of the group, Robertson, was about 16 when he joined, wanted to strike out on their own to create new music. After cycling through a few different names, the Levon Helm Sextet, the Canadian Squires, Levon and the Hawks, they bounced around before Bob Dylan hired them to be his backing band as he went electric. After the tour, they settled down in Woodstock, New York, and rented a big pink house. Three of them lived there, and it had just enough room to write and record some demos. These demos would eventually become a big part of music from Big Pink. Let's jump a bit past that first, though. Music from Big Pink was well-received, even if it wasn't a platinum seller. The impact was bigger, though, with huge praise from artists across the spectrum. The band followed it with a self-titled album, usually called The Brown Album, and five additional studio albums along with a live album, Rock of Ages, before breaking up at the greatest moment in rock and roll history, The Last Waltz. At their best, the band was the ultimate five-piece group. The work they produced was greater than the sum of their parts, and that holds up. None of them achieved massive success after the split. The organic sound they created and the organic approach to songwriting set them apart from just about everyone. If you know who the band is, it's probably because of The Last Waltz. It's often cited as the end of the first era of rock and roll, a concert featuring giants from country and rockabilly, folk, British rock, soul and blues, and more. We're talking about Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, Dr. John, 
Eric Clapton, Van Morrison, Muddy Waters, and of course, Bob Dylan. The whole thing was recorded, directed by Martin Scorsese, with performances from Emmylou Harris and the Staples Singers added from a soundstage. Rewatching this concert remains a Thanksgiving tradition for many, many people nearly 50 years later. The band did technically continue without Robertson throughout the 80s, but most people think it was over in 1976. Levon Helm has even said that it was over after the second album. Though they weren't commercial giants, the band is remembered as one of the most influential groups of all time. Artists that have copped to being influenced by the band include The Grateful Dead, Clapton, George Harrison, Led Zeppelin, Elvis Costello, Elton John, Fish, Pink Floyd, Jason Isbell, Bruce Springsteen, Death Cab for Cutie, The Shins, Wilco. I mean, I could go on and on. Eric Clapton has said he left Cream because of the band's music and even considered offering to join them. George Harrison suggested that the band's ability to work together to create something greater than their individual parts was a factor in his decision to leave the Beatles. Heck, he apparently even wrote All Things Must Pass with Levon Helm's voice in mind. So yeah, they're important, and music from Big Pink started it all. Released in 1968, it is number 100 on the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums list. As you may have guessed, it's named for the house that Richard, Rick, and Garth inhabited in Woodstock, New York. Quick side note, you can actually still visit the house, and if I understand correctly, you can now rent part of it for vacations. It's the ultimate band experience. The band began to create their own distinct sound in 1967. Remember, they'd been together for the better part of a decade, but mostly as other people's backing bands. It was hidden away in this pink house that they began to discover who they'd be. Much of this discovery process was done with Bob Dylan. Together, they improvised and recorded a ton of songs, which would later become the Basement Tapes. And by the end of the year, they felt confident that they'd discovered their sound, which was a combination of everything that that had inspired them through the years. Country, rockabilly, rock and roll, folk music, blues, soul, and more. With demos in hand, they went to A&R Studios in Manhattan, where they recorded Tears of Rage, Chest Fever, We Can Talk, This Wheel's on Fire, and The Weight in just two sessions. They later recorded the rest of the album at Capitol Studios and Gold Star Studios in L.A. What made it immediately different was the approach to recording. First, they didn't want it to be polished and pristine. When producer John Simon asked them how they wanted it to sound, they replied, just like it did in the basement of Big Pink. Second, they recorded the songs live without overdubbing. They could do this in part because, like the Beatles, they'd spent years performing on the live circuit. They knew each other, musically, at such a level that live performance came easy to them. It also added to the feel of the songs. At a time when the Beatles, Hendrix, and others are manipulating sounds with ever-growing numbers of overdubs and effects, the band was simplifying the process. They were also reaching backward to an older sound, something that was fresh for 1968, but could have come from 1958, and often told stories that sounded like they were from 1858. When released, critics loved it. Al Cooper from Rolling Stone wrote, This album was recorded in approximately two weeks. There are people who will work their lives away in vain and never touch it. Our old friend Robert Criscow was less effusive, but said he admired the album, though he found it too morose. It goes without saying that retrospectives have been particularly kind, too. The album was a commercial success, but not a behemoth. It peaked at number 18 in Canada and number 30 on the Billboard Pop Albums chart, 
The weight made it onto the Billboard Hot 100 at number 63. I may have misunderstood the RIAA, but I believe it didn't hit gold certification in 2000, until 2001. It had a more immediate impact in the music community. Roger Waters of Pink Floyd, for example, has called it the second most influential record in the history of rock and roll. It's also credited with founding the Americana genre and laying the groundwork for roots rock. Oddly, the album has actually fallen on the Rolling Stone list. It was originally at number 34 in both 2003 and 2012, but dropped to 100 in 2020. Here's what the magazine had to say in its write-up. Big Pink was a pink house in Woodstock, New York, where the band, Bob Dylan's 1965-66 backup band on tour, moved to be near Dylan after his motorcycle accident. While he recuperated, the band backed him on the demos, later known as the Basement Tapes, and made their own debut. Dylan offered to play on the album. The band said, no thanks. We didn't want to just ride his shirt tail, drummer Levon Helm said. Dylan contributed, I Shall Be Released, and co-wrote two other tunes. But it was the rustic beauty of the band's music, and the incisive drama of their own reflections on family and obligations, such as The Weight, that made Big Pink an instant homespun classic. There you go. This is one of my favorite albums, and it's from my favorite band of all time. I've discovered a lot about this one even before listening to it for Record Roulette, which makes it a bit different. That said, Rolling Stone makes a point of highlighting the unique power of their music's rustic beauty, which seems like something we can discuss. I'd also note that they don't mention the fact that the band employs three lead vocalists, which means we could probably give Rick, Richard, and Levon all their due. Finally, I think it'd be worthwhile to discuss the reasons Robert Criscow had trouble connecting with this album to see whether we can appreciate his perspective, even if I don't agree with it. Take a listen to the album and tune in next week for our chat with Tyrell Lazon. That's all for today. Check out Record Roulette on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at RR Music Pod. Rate and review this podcast wherever you can. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite show. Or listen for free at recordroulettepodcast.com. Music in this episode is from Lemon Music Studio. Thank you for listening to Record Roulette. Until the next spin, goodbye.